Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. Merry Christmas, everyone. I love Christmas. You know, most of us do. Uh, But coming here together on Christmas Eve is one of the best parts about Christmas for me. Because in doing this, we get back to why we have Christmas in the first place and what makes it so special. And we're reminded of the things about it that will last much longer than the prawns tomorrow will. And that will last much longer than the little plastic things that we get out of the bonbon will. We're reminded of the hope of the world that we have in the birth of Jesus and in him coming to earth to rescue us. And that's something that is worth celebrating. It's news that never gets old, it never wears out, and that we never stop needing to hear. I'm going to um, pray and then I'm going to share a little bit around Christmas. So God, thank you for your um, presence here, Lord. Thank you, God, for Christmas when we remember that you came. You came. God of the universe came for his people. And, Lord, we just thank you for that good, good news, Lord. And I pray tonight that as we remember that, as we reflect on that, that we would again capture the excitement and joy of what Christmas is all about. Amen. So Christmas, in case you weren't sure, is all about the grace of God. You know, God didn't have to come to earth. He didn't have to. He could have left us down here to keep making a mess of it if he really wanted to. But he didn't. He gave us what we didn't deserve. He came and saved us from a mess of our own making. Now, this isn't new to many of us. I'm sure we've all heard uh, the Christmas story before, and you can all tell me all the bits and pieces of it, the star in the sky and the shepherds in the field and the wise men with their gifts. But tonight on Christmas, I want us to remember the remarkable world-changing grace that drives this whole Christmas story. I want us to capture again the absolute delight and joy at what God has done for us. Let us remember and be transformed by his grace. This year we had a lot of lockdowns, as I'm sure you'd all remember, um, and we all became very familiar with our LGAs. Now, prior to this year, I didn't know what an LGA was, um, let alone where it was. But obviously being in lockdown, I got to know my LGA very, very well and found some really nice things that there are to do within the LGA. So I found a few nice walks and especially found some really lovely places to swim, like this place, which is for those of you who are familiar with Newcastle, this is the bogey hole. Now I grew up in Newcastle, so the bogey hole is old news. And the bogey hole is, you know, it's a rock pool where you go and have fish and chips once or twice a year and have a bit of a swim, and then realise there's nowhere to sit, and it gets cold because the sun goes behind the cliff, not in front of it of an evening, and that's it. But during lockdown, I rediscovered the bogey hole and realised that it's actually a very beautiful place to swim, and that you've got these, you know, 270-degree views of the ocean, and if you go in the morning, it's just still and beautiful, and there's fish there that swim around you, and it's a really magical spot. Now, Christmas can be a bit like the bogey hole, because we can know all about it, but we can lose the excitement of it. Oh, it's just Christmas, you know? 
And I'm not talking Santa and presents excitement. And I'm not talking Pavlova excitement. I'm talking hope of the world type of excitement. Heaven touching earth excitement. Uh, Because despite our ongoing bickering, our ongoing division, our ongoing self-focusedness, our ongoing bitterness, our ongoing fearfulness, and our ongoing laziness, God has never given up on us. He has never changed his mind on us, and he has always been and always will be faithful. So as we reflect on the grace that's uh, within the story of Christmas, my prayer is that we can get some of that excitement back. Christmas might have felt like just something we do every year, and this year it might have felt like a finishing line to a, a really hard and difficult year. But I would love for you tonight to be able to get back some of the excitement that Christmas is the hope of the world. It really is. So I want us to look at John 3.16, which is one of the most famous verses in the Bible. And in it, John uh, explains uh, who Jesus is and why he came. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You see, Jesus didn't come to earth for a holiday. He came for a rescue mission, a rescue mission to save us from ourselves and from the mess that we had made with his creation. God was giving his son as a sacrifice for our sin and centuries of selfish and evil decisions. Jesus would live and give his life in order to save us from our sin, to save us from ourselves. Now, this is important. Because the key to any celebration is you've got to understand what you're celebrating in the first place. And the key to the celebration at Christmas time is this. We celebrate because we have been rescued. We celebrate because we have been rescued. And if you really want to experience the joy and excitement of Christmas, if you want to get that excitement back, then you need to understand what it is you have been rescued from. Going to give you an example. On December 12th, 2016, this rock called Totatus sailed past the Earth, and it's approximately two and a half kilometers in diameter, so it's big. And this was the largest object uh, in outer space to cross our orbit in recent times and recent memory. Now, if this asteroid had hit the Earth, it would have drastically altered our climate. A lot of the wildlife would have died off, and a minor detail, humanity would have been wiped out as well. Now, fortunately for us, this didn't happen. Totatus did not hit Earth. It sailed right on past. And so on the 13th of December, 2016, I uh, was enjoying a holiday on the beach up in Queensland and continued to do so for the remainder of the week because I wasn't interrupted by an asteroid um, obliterating the planet. But you see, I didn't, I didn't celebrate this occasion at all. I didn't uh, raise a toast or let off a party popper because I was none the wiser that this had happened. I only found it out uh, last week when I was doing some research for this, for this message. I had no idea about this strange-shaped rock and how close it came to wiping me out. Now, if I was aware about this asteroid, 
And if I did know that it was coming and it was possibly going to collide with Earth, and what's more, if there was a well-publicised rescue mission where they sent up some of the world's best astronauts and best oil rig workers and played by Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler and set to the soundtrack by Aerosmith, if that happened and they went onto the asteroid and they drilled into it and they blew it up into millions of pieces and it didn't wipe me out and I was aware of all this, I would have had a very different holiday on the beach in Queensland that week. I would have been celebrating. I would have been partying because I would have had an understanding of what I had been rescued from and what was taken, what steps were taken to rescue me. If you haven't seen the movie, Bruce Willis dies. So Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler can be together. He stays behind the asteroid and blows the whole thing up and, oh, moving stuff. Anyway, this is a small example of what we have at Christmas because we've been rescued from a fate far worse than our planet being hit by an asteroid. We've been rescued from a fate far worse than listening to Aerosmith. (laughs) We've been rescued from a fate far worse than a global pandemic because we have been rescued from eternal separation from God. And that is something to be rescued from. And this is what we have at Christmas. We've been rescued from eternal separation from God. Now, to understand this a little bit more fully, I want to think back to the beginning of human history. Now, there at the dawn of time, God made a world to be filled with a people of his own, a family that would love him and glorify him. Psalm 103 says it this way, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people. Now, the relationship between God and his people is a bit of a different one. It's not the same as a fraternal relationship. As God, he made you and he knows you and he knows your past, present and future. It's not an equal relationship. He is God and we are his people. And this is how the relationship works. And it is good and right to have the relationship work this way. But back at the beginning of history, there was a problem. The problem was that we didn't want the relationship to work this way. And the serpent, when he tempted our ancestors in the Garden of Eden, he gave this exact temptation that we could become like God. And so we took the fruit, and we ate it, and in doing so, we attempted to take on God's role in his relationship with us and his role in our our relationship with each other and his role in our relationship with his creation. And it wasn't designed to work with us as God. And so things started to break down. This shift brought about selfishness and sin, and from this came all sorts of suffering, hatred, jealousy, gossip and slander, lust and isolation. In just one generation from Adam and Eve, we had brothers murdering each other. And you might be sitting there going, oh, come on, mate, it's Christmas, you know. Lighten up a little bit. Can't we just have, you know, Sylvia Palladini singing Oh Holy Night at Carols in the Domain tonight or something nice like that instead of all this heavy talk about suffering. But unless we face what we've been rescued from, then you can't truly celebrate the rescue. The sin issue runs deep. 
It goes all the way to our hearts and it keeps us separated from God because sin is refusing to let God be God and instead elevating ourselves to that position. So we needed a rescue. More specifically, we needed a rescuer, someone to take away the price for our rebellion against God, someone who was worthy, someone who was blameless, someone who was willing. So God sent the only one who could. He sent himself or part of himself in Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 2 says this, He, Jesus, himself bore our sins in his body on that tree or cross that we might die for sin, die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is why we celebrate Christmas. Because Jesus came. Because he died for our sins. Because he rose from the dead. Because he was not satisfied to be separated from us forever. So he did what only he could do. He rescued us from a horrendous mess of our own making. And that is worth celebrating. For those of you who are new to church and you might find clapping strange, we clap when we agree with what is being said and we do it for our own faith just in case. I know Australians, we can be a little bit funny with these things. They go, oh, gosh, mate, it's not a performance. You're not clapping me, okay? I didn't do any of this stuff. This is our Lord and Saviour and his work that we clap and applaud Um, And I just wanted to, I felt I needed to clarify that for someone here tonight. So there you go. We applaud our King Jesus. Isn't that right? And we applaud the work he's done. And we applaud the revelation that comes through his scripture. And uh, we applaud his presence here amongst us. That is what we applaud and that is what we clap. And um, I welcome you to keep clapping at any time you want to agree with with what I'm saying, what I'm sharing. Now, before we finish tonight, I want to look at one more thing about this rescue mission that we celebrate at Christmas, or the start of the rescue mission. You have to come to Easter uh, to hear the, the, the end of the rescue mission as well. I want to briefly look at how Jesus came to us, because there's a number of interesting things about how he came to us. And I just want to look at one thing, because there's one thing that I've wanted to uh, draw out from how he came Uh, I want us to underscore tonight that when Jesus came to rescue us from our own mess, he came to rescue everybody. He came to rescue everybody. So he came in a way so that no one would feel excluded. I'm going to read some of the Christmas story from um, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. And you can read along with me if you like. Or you can just watch the words on the screen, look it up in your Bible, whatever you like. Now in those days, Caesar Augustus, issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger, and when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, just over 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born, Bethlehem was not a major city. It was a historically significant place, but it was largely an agricultural settlement. Sometimes we think of this story of Mary and Joseph, you know, running through the streets of Bethlehem, knocking on the doors of all these different hotels, when that wasn't necessarily the case. Firstly, hotels didn't exist back then. What we had back then were inns, and they generally were pretty unsavory places. You wouldn't go there for a family holiday. Secondly, um, the word used here for inn literally translates as resting place, so it's not specifically an inn. I mean, it could have been, but not specifically. The other thing we want to keep in mind here too is that Bethlehem was tiny. It didn't have heaps of hotels. There was no Crown Plaza there. There wasn't even an Ibis Styles. You know those ones that are like tiny little rooms with like a portaloo attached to them? There was just no demand. It'd sort of be like putting a Shangri-La resort at Gunduindi or Dunidu. There's just not enough people wanting to go there to, to build something like that there. Now what they had back then were patches of grass with a spring of water on it. And it was basically like a really low frills camping ground where you could, if you were traveling a long distance, just put things down and pick up your animals and hope that you and the animals were there the next morning. Um, the other thing that was common too were guest rooms in family homes. And in this translation, it refers to the inn as a guest room, which it may have been. And if it was a guest room, it would have been likely a family relative of Joseph's. And likely because it was a census and everyone had to go back to their hometown, there were other family members there as well. And Joseph rocks up late with his heavily pregnant teenage fiancé and uh, this is probably a little bit embarrassing for the family and perhaps maybe they were kept out the back with the animals. Also too, Mary was probably in labour and making a lot of noise. Um, Would have been hard for the other guests to sleep but, you know, if you're giving birth, you don't care about anyone else's sleep um, and they should be there, you know, cheering you on. Point is, is that the way our saviour came into the world uh, was pretty no frills, right? He came in with literally nothing. He just arrived with the stars in the heavens and some rags that his poor mum had brought to wrap him in so that he wouldn't be cold when he was born. And that was it. There was no pretenses about his birth nothing that would make you feel that you couldn't approach him. And so that's exactly what happened. Anyone did approach him. We read in the story that very night, dirty, smelly farmhands, the shepherds, one of the least thought of people in the community, 
who literally spent their nights sleeping on the dirt next to animals, they came to worship him. They felt comfortable approaching the king of heaven because of how he came. There's nothing accidental about how God does things. In his arrival, one of the things I believe he is underscoring is that his rescue mission is for everyone. It isn't for the most important. It isn't for the most in, most holy, the most wealthy. It's for everyone. He is reaching out to us in the depths of the mess that we have made. He is giving us what we don't deserve, and he is doing this for everyone. Now, if we are honest, 2021 has been a year where we've spent a lot of time thinking about ourselves. It's been a year of isolation, a year of disconnection, and a year of division. And if ever there is a year when we need to capture again the grace of Christianity and the Christmas story, it is this year. We are incapable of saving ourselves. Our lives and our world are ravaged by the destruction of sin and selfish decisions. We all need a saviour, all of us. And as Paul writes in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us, we all need Jesus. And that's what the good news of Christmas is, is that we have him. We all have him, and that is worth celebrating. I'm going to pray now, and we're going to have another carol and a time of reflection. And I just, as I was praying about this message for this evening, I felt two things that I'd like to pray for us specifically tonight. One is, is that if Christmas is a bit drab for you and just another thing we have to do and you might be Christian or not, it it doesn't matter, that can still happen. I just want to pray that you would get a bit of a a fresh realisation or epiphany of God's grace in what happened at Christmas and what he has done for you and how much he loves you. The second thing I wanted to pray was that You know, Christmas is a time where we're often thrown together with our family and that can be a wonderful thing. It can also be a really difficult thing and it can also be both those things at the same time. Um, And I just feel, I just felt to pray as well that tomorrow when you see that person that there's an offence with or there's a bit of pain there or there's something there that God would bring to your mind and bring to your heart that revelation again that his grace is for everyone. None of us have earned his goodness. You don't earn a Christmas present. (laughs) I know we talk about that with Santa, but, you know, we don't earn Christmas presents. They're given freely. And uh, this gift is given freely. The grace of God is given freely. And for God to put on your heart the grace that he has for that person who has made your life difficult and given you pain, who you may see tomorrow. Again, I feel that's probably a specific word for a couple of us here, but I just wanted to pray that one as well. So how about we bow our heads, close our eyes. I'm going to pray those specific things, and then we're going to um, finish with a carol and some, some time together. God, thank you that you came. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, your kindness, that you rescued us 
from ourselves. Sorry, Lord, that we thought we could be gods and could run this place and run our relationship with you. Just fine being the boss. God, it's clear that we can't and that we need you. And thank you, God, that you came to take the place for all of our sin and selfish decisions, Lord. Thank you that you didn't leave us here, that you came to rescue us. And Lord, I pray for every heart tonight that has maybe lost that joy of Christmas or never felt that joy of Christmas, that they would realise the grace of the King of Heaven in coming for us. And secondly, Lord, I want to just ask tonight for those of us who have difficult relationships that we're going to be encountering again tomorrow, Lord, would you put on our hearts again the incredible nature of your grace for everyone, that we would be able to extend the grace that you have extended to us, to everyone, just as you have. In Jesus' name, amen. joining us by podcast thank you so much for joining us today take some time now to consider what really stood out to you in that message god has been speaking to you and what is it that he said to you if you're in the room with someone else turn and share with them what stood out to you and i say to them how can i pray for you share with them something that you love about god and something that you're thankful for this week or phone someone and ask them those questions. What do you love about God? What are you thankful for this week? And how can I pray for you? Bless you and have a great week.